0: Well, marketing itself has changed a lot you could tell people who are interested in marketing just by looking at them and i was one of them you know they're kind of like more interested in me- meeting celebrities and you know going to can and i'm exaggerating a little bit that was the flavor of marketing and doing tv spots which is like a branch of entertainment essentially and you come to today which is 20 years later and it's completely different it's almost like a subspecialty of data science.
1: You're listening to Identity Revolution, a podcast from the consumer identity management experts at Infutor Data Solutions. In each episode, we invite industry leaders for data-driven discussions on all things marketing, analytics, and identity. Join us as we take a deep dive into industry trends, strategies, and the future of data technology. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Infutor Data Solutions Identity Revolution podcast. My name is Corey Davis. I lead the MarTech, AdTech, and Media uh, industry vertical and ecosystem here at Infutor. And very, very excited today to have our guest, Marty Kine, with us. Marty is SVP of Strategy for the marketing cloud at Salesforce, been there since 2018. Prior to that was five years with Gartner as a researcher. Nine years before that in agency land. I'm calling it agency land. Three and a half years as a consultant, a booze and company, four years at MTV Networks as head writer for pop-up video. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit. And he's written three books, memoirs, including, make sure I get this right. House of Lies, How Management Consultants Steal Your Watch and Then Tell You the Time. Great title. And that book is the basis of the Showtime series that starred Don Cheadle, which I was a big fan of when it was on as well. So Marty, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks, Gory.
0: My pleasure to be here.
1: Awesome. All right. So get us, get us started a little bit beyond just the, the sort of bullet points there. Give the audience a little bit of a bit more depth on, on your background, your career. And like, I mean, you've had like four or five different careers, it seems like. So (laughs) how did the path end you at at least for now in this strategy role in the, in the marketing cloud at Salesforce?
0: Yeah. It doesn't make sense going forward, but apparently looking back, it it will all come together. At least that's what Wayne Dyer said, Dr. Wayne Dyer in a speech he gave at Dreamforce his last book he wrote was called, I can see clearly now it was toward the end of his life. And he's like, now I understand. <laughs> so I'm hoping for that moment. Yeah. I came, I, I actually wanted to be an actor originally. So I, I went to Yale and I was in the, the theater department. They had a lot of th- live theater there. So that was my thing. You know, my mother's an actress, and a stage actress. And so I wanted to be involved in theater somehow and came to New York and was a writer. I was a journalist, freelance writer. I wrote, um, Stories for various magazines. I was on the staff at Forbes for a little bit. There was a magazine called Spy, which is really cool. At the time, was a startup, so I did have the startup experience. But that was a satirical magazine in the early nineties in New York, and so I, I worked for them as a fact checker. And then I ended up at MTV, and I was on Papa Video, and so I had two experiences of being at, at a cultural phenomenon. The first was Spy, which. Some of the older listeners might remember if they were in New York City. And then also pop up video, which was really hot for a couple of years. I mean, we were yeah. on fire. We did a pop up Oprah. We did uh, news radio, which was an NBC show. So we popped that up. So it was, you know, it, had, it was a national cultural phenomenon, mm-hmm. but only for a couple of years. And then I went to business school because I realized I couldn't pop forever. And the real reason was I, I lived in Manhattan and I realized I could not, as a writer, ever. I would never be able to buy an apartment, (laughs) ever. So I'm like, all right, I got to go to business school. So I did, and then I became a consultant, you know, because I didn't want to go to Wall Street. And then that led to more writing, actually, on the side. So I was then a kind of a disgruntled management consultant, and I wrote House of Lies as a Kind of a dictionary, translating consulting language into English, and then I, then I got into advertising, and, and that that whole career stayed pretty much consistent. I was in measurement and ad, and then at Gartner I covered ad tech and marketing tech, and then at Salesforce I'm in the ad tech and marketing space still. So that part is a little bit more linear.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. And so so you joined Salesforce in 2018. I guess talk us through like what is the SVP of strategy. For the marketing cloud inside of inside of the behemoth of salesforce do well it
0: keep it keeps changing i mean i because i was a gartner industry analyst so i was covering marketing clouds broadly but also kind of marketing analytics because that had been what i did in the agencies that i worked at and um, one of my customers was salesforce so that's how i got to know salesforce people and I was hired by Bob Stutz, who's gone now, but he was the CEO of the Marketing Cloud. And the question at the time was, it was around the customer data platform, actually CDP. That was an area when I was at. It was. It's really interesting. I've written a co-written a book about it, actually called Customer Data Platforms. Very easy to find. <laughs> it was named in 2013. The category it appeared on the hype cycle, Gartner's hype cycle in 2016, and became really, really much discussed in 2017, 2018, right when I joined Salesforce. So this was like the peak of the hype. And yep. the question within Salesforce is, you know, do we have one already? What is this thing? Should we acquire somebody, build by acquire? And so that was really the question that I was hired to focus on. And And I've been involved in the CDP more or less ever since.
1: Got it, got it. And where the CDP sits is, Hey, like we're working with these big brands. We got service cloud. We got sales cloud. We've got marketing cloud and CDP is sort of the, the Salesforce attempt to put all that together in this sort of single view of the customer. Is that the, that the idea?
0: It, well, it is a single view of the customer. That's true. And it, it is, I mean, it's such a complicated topic. It's There's 160 CDPs out there, yep. and no two of them are the same. So that gives you a flavor of the complexity, we'll say, of this category. But in the Salesforce world, you know, we have Sales Cloud, Service Cloud, as you pointed out, Marketing Cloud, Commerce Cloud, and... Some of them deal with customers, some of them deal with accounts, B2B, B2C. And so a CDP in the Salesforce world is going to have its own distinguishing characteristics. But the the CDP actually within uh, some of this is kind of insidery and people outside don't really care. But but it was built actually by Salesforce. So our Salesforce CDP was built on the same more or less code base as Sales Cloud Service Cloud, which is the first time within Marketing Cloud that we have done that. All the other big elements of marketing cloud were acquisitions made over the years. Exact sure. target, crux, you know, and nope. so on. So it was built kind of natively. And it, it is, as you said, it's single view, the customer kinda of takes data from different places, organizes it, makes it available, and then sends it out. Got Sounds it. easy, Corey. Not so easy to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I know that. And so so okay, so it's been a couple of years, you know, I think. I haven't checked where CDPs are in the hype cycle with Gartner recently, but, but I think, you know,
0: they're drifting down into the so-called trough of disillusionment. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Right.
1: (laughs) And then it's sort of, you know, I think most of those cycles, it tends to go into that and then it comes back up and Hey, we really needed this. This was, you know, it kind of got frothy for a little while. Then it, and everybody was angry with it and it was a waste of money and now it comes back up. So how is it going? I guess, what are the investment areas? Where are you trying to improve it? What else are you working on? I guess, what's three years from now look like in this thing?
0: And the hype, I always, when I was Gartner, and even now I'm, uh, I always explain, the hype cycles about the hype. The technology keeps improving. <laughs> Every year the tech is better than it was the year before. That's just the way that works. But the hype goes up and down. And, and this happens to celebrities too. The category will get overhyped. CDP may be more than others, but it had happened before. I, I remember multi-touch attribution; we were all really into that for a while, and then that kind of fell off. Or I don't know, identity graphs or, or tag management, even at an earlier stage. And so you know, Taylor Swift, she was really hot. She's I guess she's still really really on the hype, but it, celebrities go through ups and downs as well. But the CDP is is becoming more mature. I mean, the, some of the smaller players are shaking out. There are some standalone, kind of startup-y companies that have gotten bigger. They're much better funded than they used to be. The big clouds like Salesforce, you know, and our competitors have CDPs in the market now. So it's becoming more mature. And eventually the end state of a mature category is there'll be, I don't know, four or five dominant players and then a few other smaller ones. So it becomes, but I think what we're working on it's areas like identity management are very complicated. You're trying to say that person A and database A, and as you well know, Corey, nope. <laughs> person yeah. B and database B are the same person, or they're likely the same person, or they're 75% likely. All
1: right. of
0: that complex math, you know, we're working on improving. And then also integration with outside vendors. So every Martech stack has 12, 15 different vendors in it. We're just one of them, and we all have to play nicely together, ideally, particularly yeah. around customer data. So we're trying to enhance that that part of it
1: as well. Gotcha, good to hear. And you just said something that caught, you said 12 to 15, this may be a good transition. 12 to 15 is the stack. We, we had uh, Scott Brinker who made the- Oh yeah. Crazy MarTech landscape thing famous many years ago. We had him as a guest maybe nine months ago on the show here. And at the time when I was doing a little prep I think the number was about 90. Your average brand, yeah. 90 solutions in their MarTech stack, which is the reason that there's 8,000 or something like that that are in this ecosystem now is because, you know, the point solution capabilities, you know, there's there's a lot of revenue opportunity for each one of those little categories. So that's maybe a good transition into, okay, you've been Gartner analyst, you've been agency land, you know, way back when it was it was consulting. Now you're at one of the biggest and baddest in this space. How have you seen the category, I guess, broadly shift? MarTech, ad tech, media, data. How have you seen the category overall shift in that, you know, in that last however many years?
0: Well, marketing itself has changed a lot. I, I think when I was in business school, so I graduated in 2001, And you could tell people who are interested in marketing just by looking at them. And I was one of them, you know, they're kind of like more interested in meeting celebrities and, you know, going to Cannes. And I'm exaggerating a little bit. That was the flavor of marketing and doing TV spots, which is like a branch of entertainment, essentially. And you come to today, which is 20 years later, and it's completely different. It's, It's almost like a subspecialty of data science now. You need, as a marketer, you need to be interested in celebrities and brands and going to can and all that's still important. But you also have to have this other side of the brain, which is um, very quantitative and have a good handle on how to inform a whole bunch of, you know, PhDs in data science to, ha- to help you optimize your programs. So that that's a massive shift, I think, over time. And it's gotten marketing as a discipline closer to IT. At first, it was kind of hybrid teams but now they're really joined, you know, with maybe in the office of the chief data officer, chief marketing technology officer, people like Scott Brinker, very technical, but informing marketing. So that, that's a new discipline. Marketing technology as a discipline. And I think it's taking over, I think this last year and a half, whatever weird time we've had, <laughs> the CEO, the C-suite has looked more to marketing than they have in the past because marketers are closer to the customer. So there's sort of, have supposed to, at least, if they're doing their jobs, have more insight into people. And so marketing and marketing has stepped up. You know, I think marketing has done a good job in the past year and a half in um, driving revenue and getting systems in place. So I think two trends are one is marketing is getting more technical, but the other one is marketing is getting more important.
1: I want to go a little further on that second one. So your explanation of kind of how the marketer has changed in 20 years to be more I don't know a better business. person, <laughs> uh, A better business person is that yep. that's driven by the idea that marketing no longer is a cost center but instead a profit center. Is that the yeah, CEO less, that's the, idea, yeah. to the top is saying, "Hey, this like we're spending money on this thing, let's return money, yep. like and let's grow the business, not just let's run the super expensive commercial on the Super Bowl and because it looks cool, so we can win an award." Yeah. Is that? Is that the idea? Well, it's
0: it's paradoxical in a way. Because those of us who know, as you know, Corey, like measurement and how hard it is to really measure the outcome for marketing over these past 20 years, every year, it seemed that marketing is more measurable. So it's kind of more accountable. And even with multi-touch attribution, we thought, well, we can figure out to the second decimal point, the exact impact of every single ad. A lot of that was an illusion. You know, it turns out to be harder than we thought to do that kind of measurement. But on the other hand, there was a perception that that's the way we're going. So marketing went from being very vaguely attributed in the past, you know, brand awareness or something to something that looked like you could actually measure its impact. We'll get there.
1: (laughs) We'll get there eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah, got it. Okay, and so, you know, at the big, big, you know, marketing technology business, and as you look you mentioned sort of acquisitions and things like that. I guess as as the Salesforce Marketing Cloud looks at like, how can you be better? How can you how can you expand? How can you do things that the market is asking for? I guess what categories are you seeing emerging maybe beyond the CDP that's, you know, kind of gone through that that cycle? What are the things that are about to be at the top of the hype cycle? What are you seeing that's, that's emerging, that the market is asking for, that your customers are asking for, that Salesforce buys, builds something, or just broadly things that you guys are investing in to expand the capabilities?
0: I had a conversation yesterday with a guy that I work with. He's on one of the teams at Salesforce, and he's more of a hipster. And he was telling me all about NFTs and DAOs and virtual communities and bounty boards. I was like, wow, you're blowing my mind, man. He's like, this is where it's going, buddy. It's But, you know... Setting all that aside, I, I have to be agnostic and admit my you know, my ignorance. I think in general, what we and marketers uh, are just beginning to get a handle on is the whole AI revolution, the sort of artificial intelligence. And people have used machine learning for predictive models and segmentation for years now. But we have just entered a phase where machines actually can write readable prose. <laughs> they can do things that were human before and it's not that they've turned into humans they're doing a single task but they're doing things in a better way now a much more useful way for marketers where we can do you know massive testing at scale of all kinds of different copy ideas and automate it and so that automation of previously human tasks is i think really just starting so we're excited i mean who knows where that will go
1: (laughs) and and that would seem like that's all on the same theme of if marketing and advertising and customer experience and this whole thing is no longer a cost center but instead a profit center that ai is just the next layer of the ability to sell more stuff to more people more efficiently more effectively to grow a business right
0: yeah. I mean, you know, te- I mentioned testing. So if you have a machine, you can automate thousands of different versions of something that's just not feasible for people. And they can also optimize and figure out very quickly which ones are working. And if a marketer has that available to them, you know, that kind of capability, which we do in some cases, and we are getting there, then the campaigns are just going to perform better. You know, yeah. They will. Yeah. They can't help
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Good to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Looking at time here, I think the last thing I wanted to ask you was like, all right, you're SVP of strategy at this, at this big business. I'm sure you're spending a lot of time working like all the rest of us outside of the day job. What are you spending your time on? What are you personally interested in and looking at and nerding out on like what's going on outside of Salesforce?
0: Well, I have a real interest in the history of technology in particular ad tech and where we've come from and I guess where we're going, in a sense, but there was a—it's a, you know, a twenty-five-year period there where it was very wild westy, and there were all these characters appearing, and uh, you know various things like ad networks came and went, and you know, DSPs appeared and merged, and there's a whole very kind of fun. Story around the history of ad tech, and I do have a podcast. If I may mention it, called Paleo Ad Tech. I co-host with Jill Royce, and we get some of these people on to talk about you know things like Yahoo and what were homepage takeovers and things that some people might remember who were around in the '90s. And it's fascinating to see because that whole world is disappearing. Really, it's all changing so quickly. So it's we're trying to capture it. I have a real interest in that stuff.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. To the audience, uh, as a listener of the Paleo Ad Tech Podcast, highly recommend it to everybody. I encourage you all to, to subscribe. Marty, appreciate you, you taking the time. It's been a great conversation. Where can the audience go beyond Paleo Ad Tech Podcast? Where yeah. can the audience go to find out and connect more with you, with Salesforce, etc.?
0: Yeah, anyone can reach out to me. Uh, you can on uh, Marty Kind K I H N at, at Twitter. I also have a website or just shoot me an email at salesforce mkin. Happy to engage and talk more.
1: Awesome. Marty, thank you so much for joining us. Audience, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Corey again for listening to Identity Revolution. For more data-driven discussion, subscribe to Identity Revolution on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And for more on how Infutor can improve your data strategy across your entire enterprise, visit infutor.com.